This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. So glad you're with us. one 408 7669 It's going to be a busy day. I know Mike Pence is going to be in action. We'll talk a little bit about what's happened in 2024. A lot to discuss today. I think we can really... Uh, this whole 2024 thing is really shaping up. Will Hurd's going to be with us this hour, former Texas congressman, uh, cybersecurity expert, also a guy who spends a lot of time in the CIA. Rich Lowry at the bottom of the hour bring us inside the Republican race. And is the does the Democrats actually have a legitimate contest? So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think that as a Florida resident, he didn't give an answer about would you have signed the heartbeat bill that Florida did. They had all the exceptions that people talk about. The legislature put it in. I signed the bill. I was proud to do it. He won't answer whether he would sign it or not. And he's talking about Donald Trump. 2024, DeSantis, Scott and Pence get closer to officially joining the GOP jungle. But can anyone catch Trump? Number two. My worst fears are that we cause significant, we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world. If this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong, uh, and we want to be vocal about that. While Sam Altman, creator of the chatbot GBT, if this technology goes wrong, it could get quote, quote, quite wrong. That was the warning just from, we just heard from Sam Altman, issued right during yesterday's Senate hearing and is asking the government to regulate his new technology. I never saw this before. They are asking for guardrails in the artificial intelligence realm. Number one. This was investigating a presidential campaign based on a lie, no evidence, not even uh, dismissing all the exculpatory evidence. I invite people to look at that report. Yeah, William Barr, you're right. It's about 306 pages, and we should all do it. Give it back. These are the calls from Washington about all the major news organizations who foolishly and carelessly and breathlessly reported on Trump and Russia collusion over the course of four years and beyond. I say return all them uh, and ask for forgiveness. I don't think that's going to happen. Joining me now is Congressman Will Hurd, former Texas congressman uh, and former CIA guy. Uh, Congressman, I don't know if you had a chance. Great to see you. Good to see you. Man. I don't know if you had a chance to go through the Durham report or read the summary. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen the summaries and look. And you read the I Horowitz was, report ab- too. Absolutely. And, and I was there. I was on the Intel Committee when all this was going down. So, so this is. Um, there was nothing in this report that shocked me um, because we saw it in real time. But did, when did you realize? Because I talked to somebody who's very tight with President Trump. Mm-hmm. 
right when the Mueller report got launched. And I said, what do you think is going to find out? He goes, you know, I don't know. And I said, you don't know? He goes, no, I don't, I don't know if there's anything there. When did you realize there was nothing there? Well, I think it was when we interviewed Carter Page. This whole thing started with Carter Page. And the fact that the FBI was investigating Carter Page when he was an informant and working on behalf of the CIA, right? Like if, if this is the if this is the source or the person that you think is the indication, that that to me is when I realized this was built on flimsy intelligence and, and, and not intelligence at all, to be honest. It was it was circular information and, and bad reporting. So I'm I'm looking at some of these awards and the Washington Post and New York Times got ten awards each, Pulitzer Prizes. Uh, two examples of their winning work were, uh, yeah, ten uh, ten stories by the Washington Post were awarded prizes. Ten stories by the New York Times awarded prizes for the national reporting on Trump Russia collusion. And they also, uh, the understanding of Russia interference in the 2016 election, that also got them an award. Do you think fundamentally, if you are telling everyone about linkages that didn't exist and put uh, put things down as fact when they were not when they couldn't be substantiated? I mean, should there be a process of taking things back because they misled the country? Well, they, they should. They they should talk about that we got this wrong, right? Like I I think you know reasonable pe- people don't expect everyone to be right a hundred percent of the time, but for something this big, something. That that so much money and attention and focus was put on, uh, people need to say, step out and say when they were wrong, and that this shouldn't have happened. And and what 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 concerns me, as a as a former member of the intelligence community, right? I spent ten years overseas as a CIA officer. The intelligence community is important to me. The fact that a dozen officials abused their positions and has eroded trust between the American people and these important institutions. Adam Schiff, for example, is going to go for the Senate. He's a leading contender for the Demo- for the Senate seat in California. You know, I, 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 I generally try to be polite and, and kind, um, but Adam Schiff, to me, it, he, is, he probably has done more to advance disinformation in this country than anybody else. And he abused his position as the chairman of the of the oversight com- com- committee because he he implied that he had access to information that nobody else had access to, and he never did. And and the reason, like how how did all of this stuff? How was this able to happen? You had bad leadership in the FBI and DOJ that weren't making sure people were following their tradecraft the way they were supposed to. Then you didn't have the leader of the intelligence committee doing the oversight that's supposed to be done um, of the of the intelligence committees, and so so all so so where do we end up? We end up with a country that is suspicious of federal law enforcement and suspicious of the press, and those are not good things. And and I think. Um, this is a, a moment when we're going to look back in history of, right. of where a lot of people got a lot of things wrong. And because he was chairperson, it might be plausible that he does know something you guys don't. Here's here's a flashback of Adam Schiff. Cut to. There's this ample evidence of collusion uh, of the campaign, and it's very much in the public record. Have you seen, do you have direct evidence of collusion with Russia? Well, I think there is direct evidence. And there is significant evidence of collusion, and we've set that out uh, time and time again. 
Yeah. And that's where people went with lead guy on every Sunday show for the longest time. His profile gets risen. They actually goes out of his way to go around Devin Nunes and marginalize him and get him suspended as he an inquiry is launched into him. Everything that he found out that day was true. Look, it's, so it's it, this is bringing back. <clears throat> I'm getting PTSD from from watching some of these some of these these videos because I was there and and, and I was being criticized from people being like. Will, you're a former member of the IC. Uh, why are you, you criticizing and, and playing? Yeah, they, they were saying that about me. And, and so, and look, nobody, nobody's going to mistake me for a, a cheerleader uh, for, the, for the former president. Um, but but the, these, were, these were people that were not following the law. And, and look, th- there's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting movie uh, called The Framing of John DeLorean. It's, it's like a Netflix movie. It's, it's a couple years old. And it talks about how the FBI went through this process to frame John DeLorean, the guy that made like the DeLorean car from 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 um, Back to the Future. And unfortunately, there's been a number of examples within the FBI's history of 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 zealot officers going after something and then the organization Asapia. Now, I will say this. Christopher Wray um, has has taken the information from the Horowitz report and tried to tried to make some changes. And I just want to remind people that there are still tens and thousands of members of the FBI and the DOJ that are doing their job and protecting America every single day. But here's my problem. And these, and these dozens are not reflective of that. But, Congressman, if I just look at the – they say they made changes and things are better. Okay, McCabe's gone. Strzok's gone. Still saying they're 100 percent innocent. Okay. But then you look at the Hunter Biden investigation. Four years or an IRS and gun charge? Right. Well, we're still trying to find out. When the, when the laptop is handed off to them right. in 2020, when the reforms is evident, Chris Ray's right. in charge – they hold on to it, don't say anything, and then give people uh, defensive briefings in August that if something comes out hypothetically, like, for example, the Hunter Biden laptop, I want you to be ready for it. Zuckerberg told Joe Rogan that. Right. So how optimistic can I feel that things are better? Look, I, and, and, and this is where this is where our, our oversight committees, right? This is where Mike Turner you know, needs to be working to try to repair that trust on behalf of those organizations and shine a light to make sure the right things are being done. Look, the, the, the lawyer in the DOJ that doctored, he, 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 he changed an Klein email, Smith. right? Smith. An email. Uh, the CIA basically said, hey, um, Carter Page was working for us. And that that lawyer changed it to say that he wasn't working <laughs> Isn't for that us. Isn't crazy? Right? It's like I, I, I don't even know how to do that. This joker got one year probation. Yeah. Now, look, if I would have done something like that. What right? happens? Oh, come on, man. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't be here. I'd uh, be I'd be in prison. Right. And, and so. So, yeah, the, look, the, 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 the frustration and the anger, um, it, 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 it's 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 understandable. And it makes sense. And as someone who who cares about the intelligence community, uh, this 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 is this is hard. And the, and the organization we've got to learn they have to repair their trust with the American people, and that is showing right. a level of transparency that we probably have never seen from these organizations. I want to come back and do a fresh 2024, but I'm just going to leave with this: John Brennan briefed President Obama that Hillary Clinton was working on this Trump Russia collusion to get everyone's attention off her email scandal. So the CIA director, former mm-hmm. CIA director, briefs the for the current president about the election. And I'm not saying Obama was involved, but he could have stopped it right there. 
Just like he did the great thing by calling up Hillary Clinton and say, you lost, call him up and tell him you lost. But for four years, what'd she do? Everybody knows Donald Trump is an illegitimate president, and he knows. How much did that hurt the country? This hurt the country? That hurt the country. Just like Donald Trump saying over and over again he won the election, I believe that hurts the country. Because 25% believe him. I'm not one of them. But if you want to point out the Zuckerbucks and other things that took place, that's something. But don't tell me about ballots and hiding and and that type thing. We need ideological consistency. Do the same freaking thing whenever it's the people you like or the people you don't like that are in office. Like, that's what we need to to get back to. <clears throat> that's why people are frustrated um, with these things coming out, because they know if they were to do something like this, they'd be in, they'd be in deep trouble. Absolutely. So uh, Will Hurd is here. The congressman's back in New York. We're going to talk to him about what he's doing in 2024 as everything is uh, basically everyone's got to decide by the end of June is conventional wisdom. Uh, back in a moment. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's one of my areas of greatest concern. The the, the more general ability of these models to manipulate, to persuade uh, to provide sort of one-on-one, uh, you know, interactive disinformation. Given that we're going to face an election next year and these models are getting better, uh, I think this is a significant area of concern. Sam Altman, uh, creative chatbot ChiBT, uh, on Capitol Hill willingly, briefing both sides who flat out said, we're not experts in this area. What do you mean by guardrails? He's concerned about fakes. We already saw fake pictures of Donald Trump being arrested in the middle of the street that look legitimate from when Alvin Bragg indicted him about a month ago. With me in studio, if you're watching Fox Nation, you know, uh, is Will Hurd, congressman from Texas. Congressman, uh, you know this stuff. You were, you were talking about this six years ago. Sam Altman going to Capitol Hill yesterday was pretty significant along with the IBM executive. It, it was. And I will say this. What was even more significant was how thoughtful and bipartisan the hearing actually was. Like this, this was really a Josh Harley and, 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 and Senator Blumenthal working together to try to understand an issue that is probably one of the most significant issues and most important issues of this century. And so, so that was, that was uh, they were trying to do their job. But this is a tool that is going to be incredibly powerful. We, it is going to affect every single industry. We have to make sure that our kids are being prepared uh, to deal with a technology like this. Um, and and I think the the step that they took and, and the hearing yesterday was great. And 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 look, I held the first hearing on artificial intelligence back in in, in twenty fifteen, and nobody would have thought that this tool would have you, you, you um, move as fast. So quick, huh? Yeah, and and but we also can't make the same mistakes that we've made in the past with technology. You know, it, knowing what we know about social media now, we would probably have handled it in, from a regulatory perspective differently in the, in the 90s. So I think you start with AI needs to follow the law. We already have a lot of rules on the on the on the on yeah. The, for example, if you impersonate my voice and try to extort money from somebody in my family, just like just because you're better it's a crime, at it, right? It's a crime. And yeah, and if uh, and if you try to, if I am an entertainer mm-hmm. and you put out a comedy album and you put, ask Chatbot GBT to put out. 
uh, a Jim Gaffigan album. It's not Jim Gaffigan. That's still a crime, even though it's more sophisticated, right? So Absolutely. some of the stuff is on the books. It, it, it's just it, it pro is. And, and, and look, and, and OpenAI uh, supports all those things that, that you've just outlined. Um, and having these conversations is, is important because, again, this is, this, is, this is, you know, just like nuclear, you know, fission. Nuclear fission controlled gives you nuclear power that can power the world in a clean way. But nuclear fission uncontrolled gives you nuclear weapons that can destroy the world. I love that analogy because everyone could understand it because it's used for both things. Now, uh, you were on Meet the Press over the weekend mm-hmm. making it clear you're really thinking about running for president. Uh, do you agree that that decision should be made in the next few weeks? Yeah, I think anybody who's who's thinking about a political office needs to make a decision. Um, you know, early summer. There's decisions that have to be made, and 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 infrastructure that has to be put in place. And look, for for me, I've been fortunate to have served my country in a number of different ways, whether it was overseas, you know, fighting terrorism or representing my hometown in Congress. If I have the opportunity to serve my country again, I'll, I'll do it. And and look, I, I I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have been born in America. Uh, my time overseas made me realize how fortunate we are and and i think we have we can't wait until 2028 we have a lot of challenges in front of us we're in a new cold war with the chinese government they're trying to surpass us as the as the biggest as the sole global superpower and and if that were to ever happen um the impact that it would have on our economy on our way of life is significant and Be- so between intel yeah between the intelligence between what we know about uh, cyber between what you've witnessed at the border also you have a history of working across the aisle Look, we the, the, we're better together right i i know that we we, we can solve bigger problems um we solve them for longer we're we're better together and we're better when we're bu- when we're building global coalitions the only way we're going to be an adversary that's four times our size is if we have a bigger posse uh, than them and and what we do with our allies is is important as well um and 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 look are, we we are lucky to have the economy that we have, but it takes work to get at it, and 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 so we need to be we need to be having these serious conversations. Oh, and as a Republican, I want to win, right? I want to not just have two years of of, of conservative thought. I want to have it for fourteen, sixteen years, and we have an opportunity because nobody wants Joe Biden to be president again, and mm-hmm. and that's where uh, we have to take advantage of this. But well, I mean, it looks like Donald Trump's got a, like a forty point lead according to Morning Consult, which it's not sure. it's different than Fox. Does that intimidate you? Uh, no, the the the, the election is not tomorrow. Right. The the elections in, is in several months. And and, you know, the experience that I've always had, nobody thought a black Republican could win in a 72 percent Latino district. Nobody thought I had a chance back then. Nobody thought I had a chance for for reelection. But how did I do it? I showed up to places that people didn't expect. I talked about putting food on your table, roof over your head and taking care of your uh, the people that you love. And and it's called work, right? And and there's we always kind of think that there's some one national narrative. People believe in different things. People have different reasons why they come out um, to 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 vote. And it's a matter of, of do you have the time and energy in order to make that happen by June thirtieth? I think that's that makes sense. June thirtieth. All right, Congressman Wilford, you got to come back. We got to talk more about it. It'll be exciting to have you in the race. Awesome. Thank All you. right, and uh, man, it's a, you have an excellent resume. You would be formidable. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're not disturbed by this, you just hate Trump too much. 
I don't care what your politics are. We have a situation where the FBI ran every stop sign available, kept pushing a warrant against American citizen based on a steel dossier that was a piece of fiction. The information was supplied to the FBI by two Russian agents. It was used to get a warrant against an American citizen to turn his life upside down and to create a cloud over the Trump presidency and try to deny him the presidency. Other than that, this is no big deal. And that is Lindsey Graham, who signed off on the Mueller report. So let's just find out what goes on here. And it was ended up being, I think, cost $30 million. And read it. There's no collusion there. You, don't, you might not have liked the meeting with Don Jr. Uh, you might not have liked what President Trump said in July of 2016. But there was no collusion. Rich Lowry, editor of National Review, does not hate Trump too much. I think he's very fair with him. Rich, what does, what does the Durham report change with you? It doesn't change anything. This, this, we've known this for a very long time. And, Brian, you, of course, have been all over it. But it puts it in black and white in a very authoritative and detailed manner. This was indeed a vast conspiracy to try to defeat Donald Trump and then uh, hobble his presidency at the outset. And the the FBI and the people we, we entrust with vast government powers, because we think they'll uh, at least try to handle them responsibly, was in on it. I mean, it's totally shocking. Everything that Lindsey Graham had said was completely right. So can you imagine being president when most presidents would see all this stuff? They probably would have just resigned. Because there was so much pressure, and I'm reading Jared Kushner's book, and it just struck me. By this time, I had already heard the Bull Report, read the Horowitz Report, and I'm reading uh, Jared Kushner's book. Do you know he basically had to pay – he thanked he has the resources. He had to go get Abby Lowell, and they told him, listen, it looks like you're going to be arrested. He thought for at least two weekends that they were going to be coming to his house and arresting him, knowing, Rich, that he did nothing wrong. What yeah. he did is well, when is, he was an advisor, he had conversation with Russia afterwards, and they link him to Alpha Bank. And he's like, what are you talking about? And yeah. then at one point, President Trump walked up to him and said, Jerry, listen, if you need to step aside and handle this, step aside for doing what? Yeah, exactly. Well, you, you know this, I'm sure. But if you actually talk to Donald Trump, I haven't talked to him in quite some time now. But he, the, the anger about this is very deep. It's very genuine. And it always comes to they, they th- tried to throw my kids and relatives in jail, <laughs> you know, yes. which it doesn't get more visceral uh, than that. And this is a, an enormous vindication of what he said about this investigation uh, all along. And, you know, Dor- Durham, if nothing else, is a methodical guy, and that was very frustrating for a lot of people that this took so long. Uh, I think that some of the prosecutions he, he attempted were, were mistakes, but this is a really important public service. And I think, you know, this is small comfort for the people directly involved, like Jared and other, others and all they went through. But th- this will is a very important part of the historical record, and I think over time, kind of center-right, quote-unquote, respectable opinion will, will come to believe that, that this was indeed a hoax. So it's not all over, sadly. Uh, because I watched Jake Tapper say this is bad. It's very bad and to, to a degree, and it must have killed him to say it, but he did say it to his credit that Donald Trump is, is vindicated and the FBI looks terrible. But it didn't stop this the same night on the same network, and this is Andy McCabe. John Durham is wrong. Uh, and it's not just uh, me that says that. Every other entity that's investigated 
um, our, in our activities in 2016 agrees. And that's, of course, as you mentioned, uh, the DOJ uh, Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, uh, as well as the Senate Intelligence Committee, led, of course, uh, at the time by a Republican. Okay, and, and, uh, and I can't even, I don't want to give any more airtime, but just wanted to give you an idea of the mindset on other channels because you might not be watching, and maybe none of my listeners are listening. But but nobody, Andy McCabe got convicted. Got caught, he was caught yeah. leaking <laughs> to the press. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and Horowitz said that you had a reason to, to launch an investigation. Dorm says there's no reason to. But you should have stopped when you had nothing. That yeah. was what Horowitz said. So what's he talking about? Yeah, it was clear within about a week that, that Mueller should have known it wasn't there and just should have stopped. And instead, it was this investigation that fed on itself because the investigation became about, you know, whether people were obstructing the, the investigation. And, you know, collusion gets gets lost and it just rumbles on for a couple of years. And, you know, are they vindicated in the sense that they, they didn't commit crimes, you know, and they're not going to go to jail? Yeah, but that shouldn't be the standard. It was It was still a grotesque abuse of power, even if no one violated. Uh, the law and you know the, the idea that James Comey is anyone's hero is is just is just shocking. You know, Obama said the other day we live in alternate universes with different realities. That this this is this is an instance of that. If anyone's still paying that guy any attention and not uh, turning their backs on him as as a disgrace, a guy who abused his authority. Yeah, of uh, Andy McCabe. So I would say this: I get, I give Obama credit for calling up Hillary Clinton and said, "Tell everyone you lost." He did lose, and he was the only one that could have done it because she would have held on forever. Number two is he gets briefed on this, and it was not his idea. It was not his idea to put Hunter Biden on the Burisma board. They all knew it was problematic. I mean, it was not his idea for Air Force Two to go down and meet with Carlos Slim in Mexico or to put Hunter in China on Air Force Two and have him scurry off to do some type of unsavory business deal. On some level, and this is all conjecture, I'm wondering if Obama talks to uh, Barack Obama talks to Michelle sometimes and uh, and I'm and I everyone thinks I'm crazy for saying this and thinks what the hell was he doing? What was mm-hmm. you know what was Hillary doing? They didn't get they never got along. And then yeah. you look at Joe Biden. By the end of it, they don't they clearly don't talk much. He's got to be saying to himself, reading some of this Hunter stuff. Obviously, he doesn't want to weigh in, but he's got to be saying to himself, this ticks me off. I have this guy as my number two, and instead he's doing side deals for his family. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Obama's daughters aren't doing that. They they were a little young at the time, but they're not doing it now. And this was just this has all the hallmarks to to paraphrase that letter from the uh, intelligence professionals about the uh, Hunter Biden laptop of corruption. When you you create all these shadowy LLCs that get get money from shadowy foreign sources and then for for no reasons or clear services rendered, dole it out to a bunch of family members, you know, including family members who, who, who weren't, you know, lobbyists or lawyers the way Hunter or Jim Jim Biden uh, are. So it's uh, I think Comer, you know, they, they've done great work so far. The question is, can they is there a smoking gun? And is there a smoking gun? Can they find one that Joe Biden directly profited? That that's obviously the the, the, the big piece here that would actually make the media take it more seriously if they can find it. Uh, they be forced. They have to be forced. It's not like they're trying. <laughs> right. But let's talk about the debt ceiling talks already. The fact that President Biden is dealing with Kevin McCarthy, he's got to shock him. He went from the ultimate leverage. Yeah, I'm not touching that. I'm not touching. I want a clean debt ceiling raise. 
to Kevin McCarthy, show me what you got. Kevin McCarthy gets it, gets his proposal to raise the debt ceiling. So he already proved him again. And now we're sitting there with a week, with, let's say two weeks from a deadline. And Kevin McCarthy not only passed the debt ceiling, he also passed the idea for fixing the border. Yeah. And he's got this slim majority. And now they told Schumer and Akeem Jeffries, don't show up. It's just me and Kevin. So already, I got to say that Kevin McCarthy's out kicking his coverage. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's punching above his weight. It, it turned out the speaker fight, which was uh, ugly at the time, turned out to be really healthy. He got a lot of these conservatives inside the tent on the rules committee, which means they, they've bought in. Uh, and, and he's been able to get uh, you know consensus on this stuff. Now, we'll, we'll see how it lasts, but it's absolutely true that it's it's uh, he's wrong-footed the White House, and Biden's going to have to deal, and there's going to have to be some co- sort of compromise. Now, the question is, what is that compromise, and can McCarthy – sell it to his conference. If he can't sell it to the entirety of his conference, which is basically what he needs, can he get some Democratic votes to pass it? If he does that, you know, how does, the, how does his conference react to that? I think that's still the big test to come. But the border bill is the best border enforcement bill ever passed by a chamber of commerce. And uh, getting that, that um, debt proposal through was a, was a really big deal and just, just totally reversed the, uh, uh, who, who was on top in the debt limit fight. He's going to have to do something. Right. He's going he's going to have to give in on repurposing the pandemic funds, uh, give in on uh, maybe this uh, China competition, uh, China competition bill that he was trying to nix. They want to make sure that China's got tariffs when it comes to uh, some of the things they're bringing into our shore. And he's trying to make sure they're they're eliminated. Excuse me, when it comes to solar panels, when it comes to solar panels, uh, China is selling them back to us so cheap they're beating they're outstripping us. And they want to put tariffs on it. And Biden's pushing back against that. So maybe have that done. So you have Steve Ricchetti, who's a counsel to the president, and Shalanda Young, Office of Management and Budget, who are going to deal with two staffers uh, for Republicans, uh, Louisa Terrell, the Legislative Affairs Director, and Congresswoman Congressman Garrett Graves. So we'll see what comes up with this. But if he gives it all, it'll show that the leverage has gone to Kevin McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the the White House position doesn't make any sense. So they say this is an existential crisis that so we need to get this done, and they're not going to talk about getting it done or cutting a deal to get it done. That makes no sense. That's not going to fly. And even though they're still maintaining ridiculously that they're not engaged in negotiations, of course they're involved in negotiations. So they've already moved off their initial position. And just very often these kind of these uh, debt limits have uh, resulted in uh, compromises between Congress and the president. You know, the last time, obviously, 2011. Big fight, John Boehner's house and Barack Obama, and then after that, Democrats are like, "Oh, this was terrible, and never do it again." Um, but they're going to have to do it again because compromise is what happens when something has to pass, and you got a Democratic president and a Republican. If I remember uh, correctly, Rich Lowry, I believe John Boehner was unable to get the Freedom Caucus to go along, and they did not have any consensus on what it would take for Republicans to sign off on the raise of debt. So I think that was the difference. Correct. Yeah. So in 2013, they they did stiff um, the, the Congress because you know Boehner, uh, the problem Boehner had, and this this is the problem I thought McCarthy would have, but he hasn't yet. Is just the relations were so poisonous with his right flank that hated him, you know, almost more than Obama. It just made it really hard to get anything done because you need unity. That that's the first thing. You're you're nowhere uh, without unity, and that's what McCarthy's had uh, so far. Now wh- whether he he maintains it. Two weeks from now, when there's some sort of deal, that remains to be seen. But but so far, I mean, it's, he's he's done incredibly well, much 
better than I would have expected. And he's, I think he's good in front of the camera. He doesn't run from the cameras. He looks mm-hmm. comfortable. I think that has a lot to do with it, too. A lot of times you look to John Boehner and he looked like he was falling apart before yeah. your eyes. Yeah, yeah. And who knows yeah, what he, he was, was obviously an un- unhappy guy. <laughs> yeah. So this morning console poll comes out and Donald Trump with a substantial lead over Ron DeSantis, everybody else in single digits. And I'm not saying it's going to stay that way. 43-18 and then the rest of the field. 18 is, is Ron DeSantis. So Ron DeSantis will be in this race within two weeks. Four, uh, what, what changes? Excuse me? Was it 43 or 63 for Trump? Well, I got 43. Do you have 63? There, there, well, a couple. With, with, I think he was above 60. But, but anyway, it's, it's a big lead, whatever it is. Yeah, so it's a big – here it is. You're right. Uh, DeSantis' support among uh, GOP is dwindling. In a new poll, 61% of GOP voters back Trump. Uh, that according to uh, – yeah, so that, that's, what, that's the poll you were talking about. Uh, the same poll in January had DeSantis down by 11 points. So it shows a trend – but you're not one to get overexcited in the spring. What do you think this means overall? Well, obviously, Trump has had a fantastic several months. The key thing was the the indictment. That was the inflection point. It seemed like two weeks ago there were a couple surveys that showed maybe he was ticking back back down again, Trump. But but he's gone up since then. And DeSantis is now in the teens. You know, Vivek Ramaswamy is closer to DeSantis than DeSantis is to Trump. So that's that's a big deal. Trump's obviously the odds-on favorite. But we need to see what happens when DeSantis actually gets in, which you know now we're, we're that's uh, getting pretty imminent. And you know, Iowa and New Hampshire matter more than the national poll. And we have scant polling from Iowa, but there was one the other day, showed um, Trump with a pretty good lead, but not like that, you know, 61-17 lead. It was closer than that. And DeSantis obviously has a little stroke there because he got those big endorsements in the last week, 37 legislatures. So he's just going to have to, you know, work it, DeSantis, and and hope it happens in, in Iowa. If it doesn't happen in Iowa... And Trump wins Iowa. It's probably over, or close to over. Uh, but if DeSantis or someone else wins Iowa, then we're we're in for a, a month long, uh, a drag out, uh, knock down, drag out fight. But don't you think everybody gets to the primary in New Hampshire? You mean everyone everyone stays in? Yeah, I mean, except for unless there's somebody with zero percent. Don't you think we all uh, we see the same field through to New Hampshire or no? I think uh, some people run out of money, and uh, when I say that, I'm looking at Nikki Haley. Uh, We'll see. But this is another factor working in Trump's favor. Yeah, there's not a huge incentive for anyone to – to get out before Iowa, and you know, maybe some people, if you get zero in, in Iowa, you, you drop out before New Hampshire. But it still could be a big field, and that that's another factor mm. helping Helpful. Trump. I will say this: I, I would not diminish Nikki Haley. Uh, I, I just think that she's outworking everyone. First in, uh, great work ethic, wide swath of knowledge, very good under pressure, not uh, good on camera. I just, I just think that she's got on paper. She's got it. Where people wanted to project that Klobuchar could do it, they wanted to project Elizabeth Warren could do it. They wanted to project that Ted Cruz was perfect for the time. I look at her and I say, this. Uh, I would not, I would not diminish her. Yeah, my guess, if if we're looking for a South Carolina contender, it's going to be Tim Scott rather than Nikki Haley. That that will get to have a moment. Uh, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Vivek has a has a moment, you know, pops above 10 in national polls at some point. But I I say all this with a a big dose of modesty because there's stuff that always surprises you in these races. Absolutely. Uh, I know this. I can't wait. I love every second of it. It's a lot of fun. And that's another reason to pick up the National Review. Uh, Rich Lowry, always great. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Talk soon. And he writes about Joe Biden's uh, view of uh, Bidenomics.
when we come back. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back with your calls in just a moment. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. We are asking for the bare minimum. We deserve, as women, we deserve safety. We deserve privacy. We deserve equal opportunity, and we deserve respect. Um, And they're trying to take that away, the Biden administration, by their new proposed Title IX rewrite. It's detrimental to women's sports, and the integrity of women's sports will be completely lost if this is something that goes through. It's harmful. It's, It's, I can't even put into words the damage this will do. Riley Gaines saying if you allow trans women, trans men to play in women's sports, it'll devastate everything. Forget about swimming. Think about soccer. Go up for a headball with somebody who may be around the same height, but is about four to uh, about uh, 40 pounds heavier. Think about basketball. How does uh, Brittany Griner has no problem with it? Alex Morgan who has no problem with it. Well, they're at the highest point in the end of their career. But what about kids coming up? Well, wait a second. I have a center midfielder who's an 18-year-old girl, or I could put a 21-year-old trans man in there and finally beat Brazil. We never beat Brazil in volleyball. Why don't we try to do it now with a trans man? And then all of a sudden, they're going to get a trans man. Anybody willing to take some hormone injections for some Olympic glory? I mean, that's crazy. You know, it's just crazy. Men are ruining women's sports again. So instead of launching it, going out of the way to do it, this whole pro-women movement is is getting their legs kicked out from underneath them, and they don't realize it, and everyone's too afraid to speak up. I know Brett Favre over the weekend, he's got enough controversy, but he said that most athletes know what we know, but they're afraid to speak up right now because they don't want to be labeled, I don't know, anti-trans, is that even a thing? Which no people are. They just want to be fair to women. That's usually a good thing. I thought it's usually a good thing. All I can say is this. Even if you're not going to go pro, if you're if you're a dad and say, well, I'm not playing sports anymore. Well, do you know anyone in your neighborhood that's playing 16-year-old girl? Do you want to see them crushed going up for a headball tomorrow? What about your niece, nephew, your daughter? I mean, come on. Uh, think beyond. Just be have a little bit of courage. It doesn't take that much courage to say, I don't want my girl playing against a trans. Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. I come to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. This hour, we're going to be going out to Ukraine. Dan Bilak, set of investments there, helping out the finance minister. Uh, there was a big, a lot of rockets into the Kiev yesterday. Guess what? Patriot knocked them all down, including a hypersonic. One Patriot missile battery was damaged. Don't know how serious, but how great is that? They're also making progress in Bakhmud. They were supposed to be owning Bakhmud right now, the Wagner Group, but they're not. Uh, with me right now is Jonathan Turley. We're not talking Ukraine, Jonathan. Don't worry about it. We're talking <laughs> about some explosive information that's happening here with the Dorham Report. And I was just listening, just to get ready for this segment to get me hyped up, I was listening to uh, Joe Scarborough talk about right-wing media outlets who are misinterpreting the Durham report, and there was actually nothing in it. It was a total waste of time and money. Is that how you view it? Are you blind with right-wing rage? <laughs> you know, the, the, I guess we had too much of an expectation. You know, the fact is that Durham report's an indictment not just of the individuals who are responsible for this hoax, but the media. I mean, this was, and I, this was a 
plan that was hatched by the Clinton campaign. It was given to the FBI, and then it was promulgated by the media. So, you know, the the media can't even argue that they were, you know, sort of the target of this of this con. They were a participant in it. So it, that's reflected in a lot of this. What are they supposed to say? You know, we we spent three years telling you that there was this P-tape or that Trump was insane for saying the FBI was investigating his campaign. Turns out all of that that we reported was untrue. None of them have the integrity for that. So I'm just looking at some of these uh, titles, all, all these awards. Ten stories from the Washington Post about the Russia-Trump collusion. They've gotten uh, Pulitzers. Ten stories by the New York Times. They got prizes, various prizes, whether it's the Peabody or Pulitzer. And they also have done uh, PBS also has won some awards between 2017 and 2019. Now, the Mueller report comes out, didn't show collusion. The Horowitz Inspector General report come out, didn't show collusion. If we were to look at the 306 pages here, one of the things that stands out is that Durham makes it clear this investigation never should have been launched. And the way it starts with an ambassador in the U.K. going to a bar and meeting Papadopoulos Right away, you just have to look at this and say, well, who, who's Papadopoulos to Trump? He got hired a week before as a advisor. How many times have you met him? Once or twice. What was he saying? Well, it turns out Downer wasn't even saying that he was co- 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 talking about Hillary Clinton emails in Russia. They don't even confirm that. But they use it as a way to willingly dupe themselves into thinking, we got something here. Carter Page, Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn all end up under investigation. They never brief Donald Trump. And they brief Hillary Clinton about the Russia's looking to infiltrate the election, but I guess on some level they believe Trump's a part of it. And because they want this narrative or need this narrative, they pursue it. And in case you say, well, they're just not good at their job, then you get the text message of the guy in charge of the investigation, Peter Strzok, who clearly hates Trump and texts about that we have a plan B. Should he get elected, it will never happen. So you have everything right there in your first 15 pages. No, it's it's true. And what's what's really incredible is that this report shows that this this whole operation was run out of Mark Elias's shop, the general counsel of the Clinton campaign. They were later sanctioned for doing that by the federal government. And they hid it. And reporters say that they asked Elias and the campaign, are you behind the dossier? Do you have an involvement? They denied it. There's even a report that Podesta, with Elias sitting next to him, denied that there was any connection between the campaign and the dossier. Uh, later, of course, they had to admit that when records came out that they they funded this thing. So this is just an, an incredible story. But the, the problem for the media is that they just this would be such an indictment of themselves. And what's, what's, of course, ironic is that The Washington Post, New York Times gets a Pulitzer for running a false story planted by a political campaign. The New York Post runs a true story about the Hunter Biden laptop, and they will never get a Pulitzer uh, because it was true, but it was hitting the wrong side. Absolutely. Uh, I want to just build on what you point and then talk about what the reforms could be in place and why I'm not necessarily optimistic. So the Durham investigation was reviewed by the Columbia Journalism Review over the course of 18 months. They said, let's look at all the coverage and let's see how the media did. 
So the CJR, in-house publication of America's most prestigious journalism school, 18 months digging through the media's work. The report contained criticism of the media as a whole. Jeff Gerth reserved particular disdain for the Times. The investigative journalist introduced his findings by stating his belief that the newspaper had damaged its credibility outside its own bubble. Renowned journalist Bob Woodward told him the coverage of the Russia probe wasn't handled well. Daily Mail broke down how the Trump-Russia stories flourished in the media despite a lack of credible evidence. And we can make our own decisions on how much the country was hurt. I, I think hurt tremendously on reputation. The other thing is, how about this? The FBI sees no clear link to Russia and a story about alleged con- uh, covert communication between Trump Organization and Kremlin-linked Alpha Bank. It didn't stop a full investigation story after story about unnamed sources who said there was a link there. And that's how they tried to trip up Jared, saying that he was part of that when he had nothing to do with that. Alpha Bank happened to have a branch in Trump Tower. It didn't mean it had nothing to do with Donald Trump in particular. But now you see a Russia bank. Trump needs money. Trump wanted to always wanted to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. It would have been his most prolific and profitable uh, tower ever. And he was Vladimir Putin was promised the top penthouse. Remember those stories? Yeah, no, it's <laughs> and it goes on and on because, you know, it, all of these they ran with a legal expert saying this evidence is absolutely bombshell and, and undeniable. Of course, no criminal charges occurred because no findings were ever made that these were true. And now we have findings made that they were false from the outset. The key to remember is that when the Steele dossier came out, the American intelligence quickly flagged it as likely Russian disinformation. They demolished it. They told uh, the FBI, this is not reliable. And yet people like Comey, even today, are claiming that they believe that this was corroborated. Years later, Comey was still talking about the P-tape. He was he got all these accolades for saying, I never thought these words would come out of my mouth. The president might have done this. Well, we know now from Durham that if he just simply picked up a, a phone, he could have found out that there was nothing there. This came out of a, from a, a, a Clinton operative who told Steele about this story to another person. Three days later, it ended up in the Steele dossier. That's how trivial this process was. Three days after Steele heard that story, it was in the Steele dossier, and then it was all over the media. I I find it amazing, too, uh, because his name is Charles Dolan, and Charles Dolan dates back to when we thought Russia had a chance of being somewhat of a representative democracy on some level when Yeltsin was there, and that's when Bill Clinton was in office, and that's when Dolan made his contacts, and a lot of people, like Bill Browder, who's famously... Putin wants to kill now, uh, was saying, Hi, I'm going to invest over there. This might be a good place to invest and grow. I mean, these people know nothing about capitalism, but they seem open to it. So as it starts closing down, Dolan kept his contacts. So when Christopher Steele gets this deal and has to find out what's going on, he reaches out to Dolan to help put together the dossier and Igor Dushenko to help put it. But Dushenko doesn't go back to Russia either. So they get all hearsay, second and third, and they put it together. And they don't verify any of it, but they say, here's here's rough intelligence of what's over there. Next thing you know, they staple it together, put a hardcover on it, and say, this is a dossier. And still they go, Steele, is this true? He's like, I don't know. Dushenko says, true. He goes, well, that's what I heard. 
And then they go, well, can you verify it? He goes, I really can't. He goes, what if we give you a million dollars just to verify it for us? He's like, I can't. I'm not going to take your money. But it didn't stop him from lobbying against Donald Trump physically in New York, in Washington and New York to make, let people know in the media that this stuff is real and that Donald Trump is corrupt and he's, he's a sellout and he's going to be – he's a sellout to, uh, to Vladimir Putin. It's just crazy that it, this all happened and it all well, took place. Well, of course, there's a name for that, right? It's called disinformation. So all these people like Adam Schiff, who's been calling for censorship to stop disinformation to protect democracy, this is disinformation that was used against democracy. This is the ultimate disinformation. You 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 ended up miring a, a duly elected president in scandal for three years, effectively derailing a presidency based on something that his mm-hmm. political opponent hatched up. And fed to the media. Now, by the way, that's a huge story. This is the most successful political hoax in history. Yes. Like, this truly is an amazing story, but no one wants to tell it because they're all sort of co-conspirators. That's the reason I wrote a piece in the New York Post saying that this is like the political version of murder on the Orient Express. Everyone did it. So if everyone does it in Washington, nobody does it. Because you, you, no one gets charged, but they all did it. So Eric Wemple, who hates Fox, but he's a Washington Post media critic, repeatedly slammed his outlet and other liberal outlets that ran stories based on the dossier. The journalist columns hit out on the bit on the on the flimsiness of Steele's allegation that claimed that there was a long running conspiracy between Trump and the Kremlin. Now, if you're Donald Trump. You think, OK, the Mueller report is done. Then the Ukraine call comes up. The impeachment starts again. And then when 2020 uh, starts, he still is favored to win before the pandemic, get another four years. And then out comes the Zuckerbucks that flood the zone with millions of dollars in key districts. And then um comes the disinformation on the Hunter Biden laptop. So if you want me to feel better about the FBI, why would I feel better knowing that this John Paul Isaac, who ran his computer repair store, dropped it off to the FBI, was treated in a hostile fashion, and said, look, this is pretty bad stuff. They held on to it for eight months. When Rudy Giuliani got it, they, they briefed major media outlets on to prepare them for the Russian disinformation again in 2020. So if I want to feel better about the FBI, please tell me how I should when they did it again <laughs> when it came to the laptop. Yeah, well, Brian, the best indication of how insincere the FBI is on this comes from the the statement they released almost simultaneously with the report. They said, you know, we've we've made changes to deal with these missteps. Missteps. So the FBI ran with a story planted by a political campaign based on nothing and derailed the presidency for three years, and they call it a misstep. That's how that's the lack of seriousness that there is for serious reform. I just want you to hear before we do this, Bill Barr finally spoke about it. He's the one who hired John Durham. And if anyone comes up to you, Jonathan, and says John Durham's a political hack, tell him to look up Eric Holder's comments. Because Eric Holder, the attorney general for Barack Obama, says he's got great integrity and, and said he's it was untouchable. Nobody was criticizing him. But here's what he said that he found after reading 300 pages flying back from California yesterday with Brett. Cut three. I think what this has shown is that the source and there are really two sources and drivers of this whole ugly episode, and that is Hillary Clinton's campaign, who launched a smear campaign 
that was based on getting Russian sources, Russian sources, to spread false information about Donald Trump and peddle it to the press and to the government, the FBI. And both the press and the FBI abandoned any semblance of professionalism and took up the cause with a vengeance. And I think the real story here from the FBI's perspective is what an abomination this was, this so-called investigation. If it wasn't a witch hunt, it's, it's a damn good imitation of one. And guess who called it a witch hunt? President Trump. And guess who was told he was crazy and, and irrational? Uh, Donald Trump. Between this and some other things that, that happened with his laptop and being verified afterwards, this is the type of thing that does vindicate Donald Trump. It does. And look, I'm a big fan of Bill, Bill's because we go back a long time. But this is really the result of his decision to appoint John Durham. This is why I've always said that Trump was wrong about Bill Barr, that, you know, this is going to create a lasting record. Yep. Uh, and while reporters may not report on it now, history will judge, and it will be based largely on this report. And this report is only here because of Bill Barr. I'm a fan of Bill Barr, and for the president not to understand that he's his MVP, that he came in after Jeff Sessions and landed the plane, was the, knew all the players, took all the slings and arrows, got it first, disseminated it first, then fed it to the press, then they got it, then the press got it because they were just going to run with sections that they wanted to run with, but he defined it first. Everything he did was brilliant, and I can't believe because he wouldn't do some of the things the president wanted to do in the last days he was in office— he thought he was the enemy and fired him, but that was one of the, his worst decisions. Yeah, it was. I went out to lunch with him the day before that happened, <laughs> and uh, there was a certain gallows humor at the lunch. I, I, because you know the, the fact is, Bill. The thing I love about Bill Barr, I actually represented him once as a client, in addition to being a friend. He said, Bill's the only guy I know in Washington that truly doesn't care what people think of him. I mean, <laughs> he, he really he really doesn't. I mean, it's always amazed me about him. Um, I care more about what people think about Bill Barr than Bill Barr does. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He does. And that's why when Trump went after him, he's like, OK, if I'm fired, I'll leave. You know, and then they ran <laughs> out quick. It's like, no, till, please don't leave yet. Uh, Jonathan Turley, always great. Thanks for being there every step of the way and making everything uh, seem so digestible. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Brian. All right, uh, that is Jonathan Turley. And we come back to your calls, and then we go to Ukraine. It's a busy show. So glad you're here. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Got a couple of minutes here. One of the center Fetterman was working again. I know it's a rarity. And uh, he was working, and he was asked to a question because they're having a banking committee meeting. And at which time, he had to ask a question of the CEO of the failed Silicon Valley Bank. And this guy who cashed in uh, his uh, stock right before the whole thing went belly up, made millions of dollars, and just destroyed this thing. He's the utter definition of incompetence. So when Senator Fetterman, Mr. Working Class, had a shot at him, here's his question. Try to make sense of it. You know, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Republicans want to give a, a work requirement for SNAP. You know, for a, 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 a hungry family has to, to have these, this kind of penalties or these some kinds of 
word working uh, required shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sell your bank you, with billions of your bank because they seem to be more pre preoccupied uh, when than snap uh, and requirements for works for hungry people but not about protecting the ta the taxpayers you know that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it chair uh, thank you Senator Fetterman didn't see an eagerness on the panel to answer your questions. Thank you. What, what was the question? No one even knows, has any idea what the question is. You want the CEO to have a work requirement? What are you saying? You don't like that Republicans are negotiating the debt ceiling rise and have a work requirement when it comes to food stamps? Uh, that's been on the books for a while, then it got undone. Now they want to put it back in. That's not the question. You have a problem with mid-sized banks. I mean, clearly, nobody's happy that he's suffering, but he clearly can't do the job. I don't, who knows if he's thinking clearly and can't talk, or they're both as foggy as that. My goodness. Hi. Good night, everybody. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. With friends like Yevgeny Prigozhin, you really don't need enemies. And I think that uh, Prigozhin's days are numbered um, at this yeah. level. Um, the, what he is doing is, um, in a mafia context, he's ratting out. Um, he's going he's gonna to find himself at, at the bad end of a bomb or a cup of poison tea before too much longer. And that's good news for Ukraine and good news for the West. And, Joe, if you look at how the spring offensive is going to go, I think it'll start in the days or weeks ahead, certainly. Weather looks good. The tanks are flowing in, the training, the morale. I think the Ukrainians are going to have a very good spring. So that was Admiral James Trevitas. Uh, You know, he's been on the ground in Ukraine quite often, and he was former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, one of his many positions. Uh, and he talked about what the rumor is, and I don't know how true it is, that the head of the Wagner Group was dealing with the Ukrainians and said, listen, I'll tell you where the Russians are if you just let us take Bakhmud. Uh, I never heard anything quite like this, but we don't usually deal with mercenary forces in today's war. Daniel uh, Bilak is with us now, a member of the Territorial Defense Forces of Ukraine. He's not in Ukraine. He's actually in studio with us today. He's back. Uh, he's attorney based in Kiev with the Kinesteller International Law Firm and former chief investment advisor to the prime minister of Ukraine. Uh, Daniel, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Great to be back. So do, first off, on that story of the Wagner Group selling out the Russians that Vladimir Putin says, I don't think this happened. Is, is any of this true? Have you heard this? Yeah, I, uh, who knows? I mean, this is uh, this is like a uh, you're fighting a, two armies. It's, it's it, well, we're fighting. Uh, yeah, we're fighting at least two armies because Gazprom apparently has their own private army now as well. Is that true? Yeah, and uh, but you know, it, it doesn't really matter because the what what the what the takeaway should be is that they are they are they are completely disorganized. They're poorly led. They don't have a plan. Uh, you know, they're farming out uh, major battles to to mercenaries. Um, you know, th this should be telling our, our allies and the American people that this war is absolutely winnable and by the Ukrainians and that the, uh, the Russians are in, in complete disarray and, and on the back foot. They wanted to take Bakhmud by their May Day, their celebration of their win in World War II, stopping the Nazis. They did not take it. Uh, they were desperate to do it. In fact, you guys are beginning to take land back from there. Some questioned why you were fighting for something that was strategically not significant. And the answer was... Because we're killing so many Russians 
it is just too opportunistic for us. They were literally throwing people at you guys. Yeah, I mean, this is the way Russia has fought every war. You know, they just they just throw bodies and uh, and try to overwhelm you. They don't care how many people of their own uh, their own side die. I mean, they wanted to take Bakhmut by the end of uh, by the new year. They wanted to take it by March eighth, International Women's Day, and they wanted to take it by May 9th, the uh, celebration of the victory in World War Two. And they haven't taken it any of those dates. And uh, you know, Bakhmut for them is is was was some sort of sacred uh, right to show that they could actually take a city and they could win something after a year. For us, it wasn't. It was. It was also you know the the, the uh, degradation of their of their forces, uh, the attrition that that we 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 put on them, but also re- withdrawing from Bakhmut would have been very difficult for us because Bakhmut is a fortress. It's geographically on high ground. And by controlling that ground, it means that we we can control that area, and it means we prevent them then from going through Kramatorsk and uh, uh, and Slovyansk. And so it was it, it it wasn't like the end. So of the there war. was necessary there, strategic. There was there was, there was there was very strategic uh, uh, advantage to, to to holding it, and you know the, our military just does not want to fight to reclaim even more land later on. So uh, last night, uh, evidently, eighteen Russian ra- missiles. All knocked down by the Patriot, uh, by the Patriot uh, defense, defenses of Kiev. So they were aiming for Kiev, all unsuccessfully, including another hypersonic was knocked down. So I, Admiral Stravita said we must have been lucky because our Patriots are not capable of knocking down a hypersonic. But this is the second time this has since happened. What does it tell you? Are the Russian do, do they not have a true hypersonic missile? Are the Patriots better than we thought? I, I think the story is a little different, Brian. I think that it shows, just goes to the ingenuity of Ukrainians. We have proven time and time again that you give us the weapons and we will make them work for us the way we need them to work in this war. And that, that's why the, the narrative that, oh, it takes so long to train the Ukrainians, et cetera, et cetera, has, has been put paid to so many times. You know, our guys in six weeks learned how to use the Patriots. Uh, normally it's 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 six months, right? And but uh, because they know how to use, they're they're already they're not high school uh, graduates or, or or college graduates going going in with no training. They're people who know how to use artillery systems. Well, the other thing that's key is that they're aiming for our patriots. They are aiming for the patriots. They want to take this this time. They actually have those and those they missiles. One. Have them apparently. Apparently, uh, they're. they're Information is different. Whether this has been, you know, crucial or or is, is been knocked out or not, doesn't look like it has been. But but really, the important part is that our our people, our our, our soldiers, they take all this zoo of of weapons, you know, of different sorts, and we string them together and we make them interoperable, which is something that NATO nations have struggled to do. So, how important was the Zelensky trip to the Vatican, France, to the UK, and Germany? He just did that. I think ten days, less. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the the president is 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 a force of nature, really. And you're I mean, a Poroshenko guy, right? No, I'm no. I, I'm I'm not. I I I I've always served the country and right. served the Ukrainian people. And uh, I was I was advisor of Prime Minister Groisman, uh, and Groisman Poroshenko didn't have a great relationship. Right. But I I knew President Poroshenko. I respected him as well. But but what 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 President Zelensky is doing is exactly what he should be doing. He doesn't meddle with his generals. He goes out and he builds uh, alliances. And and really, what the message is now is that guys, let's not pull our punches. We are close to victory, and it has to be total victory. 
And he, you know, President Zelensky said, our freedom is your freedom. Our victory is your victory. And there is no upside to leaving, to negotiating with the Russians, as some people want us to do, uh, to, to, to give them some, leave them on some of our territory. All that means is you're, you're, you're basically condemning those people to slavery and slaughter. And, and, you know, leaving them in Crimea is like having an aircraft carrier pointed at the heart of the country. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll destroy our economy. And, and it's not in NATO's or America's interest either. You'll never have peace and stability in Europe so long as Putin is in Ukraine. And I think that's the message that's really being driven home by the president now. And I think it's being heard by, by, uh, by, by our allies. And then you have to wonder, too, OK, Iran, how many more drones do you want to give these guys? If they're start, if it becomes clear that they're beginning to lose massive real estate, China has got to say to themselves, you know, how much do I want to dig in here? Uh, there was a report in the Wall Street Journal today that China is paying the price on their economy because of the war in Ukraine. Well, this, 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 this is the this is the other part of the equation. Is that you know, aside from this, Ukraine is the epicenter right now, Brian, of of global change, and what happens in Ukraine will determine what's going to happen in the world for for a generation. Everybody's watching this. And if America backs down, if it's seen to be weak in, in its resolve to help Ukraine, China will take that and factor that into its equation of what to do with uh, with Taiwan. And, you know, but, you know, in the other the, the global south, we've seen South Africa, India, Brazil sitting on the fence. And now they're wondering, you know, should we should we really be back in the Russians? And they've they've, they've really moderated some of their rhetoric. What about South there. Africa providing a lot of the, a lot of the parts and chips for, for I don't Russia? get it. I don't get it. I, I in, you know, it, it comes back to the same thing as I didn't get why Israel was on the fence uh, before as well. I mean, I, I don't well, know, you know what the why, calculus. because the Russians are allowing them to hit targets inside Syria. Yeah. And providing them so, but that's very self-serving because you guys represent so much what Israel fights for exactly. because they're they're fighting invasion every day. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually talking to uh, a former Israeli commando yesterday. Uh, he now has a different job, uh, but he said, you know, we 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 live what you got. We we the people of Israel feel what you what you're going through because we live this every day, as you say. Right. And the only way to stop the invasion is to be uh, military superior to everybody and, and make know, them pay the price for every time rockets come in. You know, there was a saying I heard somebody say that, uh, you know, never again means you have to stand up and fight, because if you're not prepared to stand up and defend your freedom, then somebody's going to try to take it away from you. Now, think about this. If Ukraine is not able to push back and get the 17 percent of their land back that the Russians have taken, that's roughly they was at 25 and you guys push back and got this much. What does it say? Because NATO, everybody's pitched in to some degree, the U.S. more than everybody else. You know, the U.K. just gave you long-range rockets. If Russia's able to prevail uh, and NATO, is, who put everything b- behind the Ukraine, they're able to prevail, it is a terrible message for the next 50 years. Well, I, I think there's two assumptions in there, Brian. One of them is that, you know, we're getting everything that we've been promised and we, we're, we're not there yet. Uh, it's coming in. It's still coming in. Um, it we, it could be faster, and and it could be could be more. Um, you know, yeah. The the UK has given us some long range rockets, but you know, until we get American attackums, we can't we can't make this. We can't take Crimea or you know how or, politics works. Does this clear the way for the attackums? I really hope so. I really hope so. The Brits have been brilliant over the course of this war. Three in, prime ministers. In, in, well, but they've been they they gave us tanks first. They gave us other the anti aircraft uh, first when everybody was worried about escalation. Escalation. Putin has been very very uh, astute at weaponizing fear, especially in in the administration. 
and weaponizing fear in among the European allies. The only country that has not allowed itself it, itself to be drawn into that has been the UK and and the Polish and the and the obviously the 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 the, the Nordic states. So they they're pushing, and I I'm really hopeful that this is a precursor to us getting the attackums because we really really need them. Daniel Bilak is here uh, from uh, fresh off Ukraine, where every inch is really a battlefield. You live in Kiev. Yes. So uh, you said you could hear the difference with the Patriot as opposed to your other missile defense. Yeah, the other the other night when uh, uh, when they when they launched the the big rocket attack, and I was woken up. And normally it sounds like <laughs> with the with our S three hundred anti aircraft anti missile systems. This one was, <laughs> and I thought. Oh, wow. That's that's music to my ears. And does it also mean a lot of rockets are coming? Because yeah. you had 18 last yeah, night. Yeah, a lot of rockets. So, I mean, my, my kids uh, were, were telling me that they were they were up, uh, you know, they're, they're young children. And How old are they? They're, they're 11. How, how is this affecting them? They, um, you know, in different ways. Uh, their kids are resilient. Obviously, they're they're aware of this. They were saying they were saying in the middle of the night watching uh, uh, missile parts, flaming missile parts falling uh, on uh, from the sky. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a different kind of a fireworks display. Grow um, quick, huh? But you know, I, I've had conversations with them where they say, you know, Daddy, explain to us what the difference is between tactical nuclear weapons and strategic ballistic nuclear weapons. I mean, I couldn't string those words together when I was 11, let alone, you know, even try to conceptualize what that was. So, so you have that conversation. You know, they, have, they need to understand what's going on in the world. They certainly understand good and evil. This is a very black and white uh, uh, situation. And they understand the need that we have to win. We have no choice but to win. You know, the people that want us to get into negotiations don't understand that, you know, when you're fighting with somebody who wants to exterminate you and you want to live, it's like Golda Meir said, you know, when you want to live and they want you to die, there's not a lot of room to compromise. I understand. Uh, also, some good news. It looks like the grain deal that Turkey brokered is going to continue. You'll be able to ship grain. Is that rea- the reality? You know it? Uh, it? It is for the moment. You know, the Russians will yank that chain anytime that uh, that they feel it's necessary, especially as as things expect a lot more of uh, of these kinds of shenanigans and disruptive behavior and cyber attacks and 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 other things in the West uh, as a way to try to deter our allies uh, or try to convince our allies to pull us back if uh, when when our counteroffensive becomes successful. The one thing that people are waiting for is for you guys to start making some gains. That'll help politically everybody. Republicans that want to support and some that are getting worried because the the American worry is we're depleting a lot of our stock. And we see a very belligerent China overseas who, to a degree, are upset about how it's affect their economy. The other thing says, hey, America, without all its rockets, without the, the, the their coffers full kind of helps us. I'm sure you see that from their perspective. too. Yeah, listen, there isn't anybody more more vested in uh, gains on the ground than the Ukrainian people. So so we totally get it. But, it, you know, your point about the depletion of stocks and, and, and ammunition and things like that, it really, really point to the fact that when you listen to the military uh, uh, brass in the United States, in the UK, and even in Europe, they're all saying we need to move to a more of a wartime economy where we're starting to produce these things again. And they need to be produced at scale. This, yeah, is, this is a wake-up call. This is a wake-up call. And to go to, you, not that it involves you, but they say these five-year deals or these four-year deals don't work. If you are 
some of these major weapons manufacturers, you need a 10-year contract. Look, and especially if you're in the camp that says, let's leave Russia the way it is because, you know, that's more convenient for us. Well, Russia the way it is is going to be a continued threat to peace, stability in Europe and globally, and you've got to be ready for a war because he's going to come back. You'll never have peace. You'll have a pause. Uh, yes. Uh, listen, there's the spring offensive or summer offensive, when's it going to start? Are things really thawing out over there? After all, many people feared no power, no gas, no oil from Russia in the winter. What's Europe going to do? They did more than survive. We'll get the details on the man who hurts the, who knows everything about dollars and cents, uh, Daniel Bilek, uh, fresh off Kiev. Don't move. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. It was nice of him to stop by before he has to go back to the war zone, which sadly is his country. Daniel Bilak is here, member of the Territorial Defense uh, Forces of Ukraine, and used to be the chief investment advisor to the prime minister of Ukraine. But he, him and his family are still living there now, uh, hoping for a big spring. How did the winter go with uh, them, with Russia targeting uh, all of your power zones? Yeah, it was a it was a it was a tough winter, uh, I have to say. Uh, mercifully, uh, the weather was warm. Uh, Russia always counts on general winter to uh, to fight on on their side, and and this year uh, he uh, he he went the other way. Um, but you know, it was uh, it's eerie when you all you have no power. I have a I have a generator, so I was able to uh, to keep the lights on more or less. But still, um, you know, a lot of things don't work, and you know, we, but you know, we just pardon the pun, powered through. Europe also did. They did a good job collecting natural gas from other sources. I hope they're all learning their lesson. No matter how, when this ends, you can never go back to depending on Russia for energy. Yeah, no, 100%, Brian. Do you think they learned their lesson? I, I, think, I think they learned a lot of lessons. Uh, first of all, I think they, they, they've started to found, they found their own mojo, and we helped them do that, that – that they got the confidence that hey you know we can do this without Russia we can and Germany especially was did a brilliant job in in uh, in filling its reservoirs before the war they allowed the Nord Stream two to be bent around you guys yeah. avoiding you yeah. guys and they already had a Nord Stream one by the time Trump came in Trump came in and said really you guys have Nord you're going to do this pipeline while I'm watching your back against Russia you're going to be addicted to their free gas. Now the the all of the Eastern European Ukraine Poland we're we're all screaming that this is not a commercial deal this is totally political and they're gonna they're gonna take you uh, by a certain body part and make sure that uh, that they squeeze and they and they and they did and Trump did give you weapons during your time right oh we had we had tremendous uh, support from the Trump administration uh, during uh, before the war where and for for the minute we have left. Tell people what we can expect this spring and summer. When do you think roughly the surge will start, the counteroffensive will start? Well, well actually, uh, Brian, I think, I think it started now. Um, we're doing what the, what the military calls shaping operations where we're, we're bombing out. You hear about what's going on and we're taking out uh, uh, ammunition dumps and, and, and fuel in, in Sevastopol and in other places. So uh, I, I think that, you know, if, if we get everything that we're promised and, and our allies stick with us to the extent we get everything that we, we need to get, this will be done by the end of the year. Right. And then the bigger question is, take Crimea. You say yes. Oh, yeah. I say the Russian army collapses and we take Crimea. Absolutely. That's my bet. Daniel Bielak, stay safe. God bless. God bless the people of the United States. 
from high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. The great Sid Rosenberg, the number one uh, morning show in New York City, which is the really epicenter of what's happening at the border. I can't believe I'm talking about this, but you know it's true. In Arizona, in, in California, in Texas, obviously you guys have it worse. But in New York City, 60,000 people know where to put them. Constant debate, fights between cities and counties and the governor. All about people that don't even belong here, limited dollar, trying to stretch it out, and they get priority over people that are here living paycheck to paycheck. They can't afford daycare. And now you say, well, the taxes are going up, the rent is so high. Oh, where's it going? It's going to illegals in 141 separate facilities, and now 10 different gyms in New York City are being looked at with school kids in them. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I think that as a Florida resident, he didn't give an answer about would you have signed the heartbeat bill that Florida did. They had all the exceptions that people talk about. The legislature put it in. I signed the bill. I was proud to do it. He won't answer whether he would sign it or not. 2024, DeSantis, Scott, Pence, get closer to officially joining the GOP jungle. And Will Hurd just told us this show that he'll probably decide in the next couple of weeks. But can anyone catch Trump? Number two. My worst fears are that we cause significant, we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world. If this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. uh, And we want to be vocal about that. Yep, Sam Altman, Mr. AI. If this technology goes wrong, can't go quite. Uh, it can go very wrong. Wow, that was the warning that we just heard from Chat GPT's Sam Altman issued during yesterday's Senate hearing, which was fascinating. We'll break down what AI means to you. Number one. This was investigating a presidential campaign based on a lie, no evidence, not even uh, dismissing all the exculpatory effort, uh, evidence. I invite people to look at that report. Yeah, there you go, William Barr. Give it back. These are the calls from Washington and around the country for these major news organizations who foolishly and carelessly and breathlessly reported on the Trump-Russia collusion scam. It's not true. It never happened. But they got 30, 40, 50 separate awards from Peabody's to Pulitzer's. And I say give it back. In fact, Lindsey Graham, I went over this yesterday. And the way I did it, I don't know if I told you this, uh, Allison and Eric, but yesterday I asked chat, uh, chatbot GPT, to name all the awards the uh, major news organizations won with the Russian collusion scam. And I got the whole listing. That prompted the talking point on Fox and Friends today. But it was the artificial intelligence that brought it all to Frank. Thank God for AI. I guess so. But, I mean, I guess someone said, you know, they could have Googled it. But I never would have gotten it all together. Google would have been, like, listing Washington Post, listing New York Times, listing PBS I think this put it all together and actually had it uh, gave me the number. Know what you could have also done? What? Asked our amazing brain room. Right. But this way I didn't have to. <laughs> you didn't have you to do have an amazing. Them. That was one of the smartest things Roger Ailes did. Have a brain room as a resource and a backup. So when you say, where'd you get it? Brain room. Where'd they get it? They source it to everything you get. Uh, so that's, that's pretty clear. But as I mentioned, 
I, I had it right here. How many? Oh, where is it? I had this great list because I did a walk. Here it is. Right to my immediate right. Why didn't I look right? So in current turns out. Ten stories by the Washington Post won awards in national reporting. Ten stories by the New York Times won national reporting awards with the Russia collusion, some form of that, uh, let alone the Peabody's, let alone the Polk Awards, which was pioneered by my school, Long Island University. So little things like this. This won them award. Headline, the FBI once planned to pay former British spy who authored the controversial Trump dossier. That's called Christopher Steele. The reporting there got an award. How about this? How the Russia inquiry, be, inquiry began, a campaign aide drinks in talk of political dirt. And the, that great research, it's a, now we know it's an ambassador, the Australian ambassador in the U.K., having drinks with George Papadopoulos, launched this whole probe. And guess who was behind it? Hillary Clinton. Now, if you say Hillary Clinton's campaign was behind the launching of the Durham, uh, the, the launching of the Trump Russia collusion hoax, and it was briefed by John Brennan, briefed President Obama on it, and President Obama didn't do anything to stop it, and Hillary Clinton was behind it, and the DNC supplied it and financed it, that would have been an award. There you go. Then you would have undone. Four years of hell our country's been through because no matter where you were on Trump, it was a huge distraction for our country. And we put, took our eye off the ball, including the buildup of China. We stopped maybe trade deals from being executed and maybe some type of diplomatic relations that might have been able to avoid this war. Also, don't forget the Edward R. Morrow Award went to the Washington Post. They should be embarrassed. So I went over some of this stuff. I'm not sure they're going to give it all back. Lindsey Graham weighed in. Lindsey Graham weighed in yesterday and also pointed out, and maybe it was my idea, pointed out that this Durham report gave all these people all these awards, all these raises, all these promotions, all this fame, and they should just undo it. Here is Lindsey Graham uh, talking about that cut eight. Three things should happen. Garland should pick up the phone and call all all those that were harmed by this and say, even though it didn't happen on my watch, I apologize to you. This is not the Department of Justice that I want you to to believe in. Uh, I would like the FBI director Ray to get on the phone and apologize to the people that had their lives ruined by the FBI. And I think the Pulitzer Prize given to the Washington Post and New York Times should be taken back because the entire episode was politically motivated crap. That's not something you should get a Pulitzer Prize for. It's true. I don't know if they ever give it back, though. That's pretty clear. But it's amazing the way other outlets are playing this. They're saying that it's no big deal. What a waste of $6 million. I don't think so. You think John Durham's a political animal? I don't think so. Look at, look, just Google John Durham and reviews. You get praise for both sides of the aisle. People want to see arrests. Well, okay, everybody will want that. But look at the report. You say, well, this is not criminal. This is unethical. And this is just idiocy. And this is agenda driven. And it's embarrassing that Andy McCabe has a job in television. It's embarrassing that Peter Strzok has a job in television. I think Lisa Page has got a job on television, although I never see her. What's the ramifications of this? Well, the FBI has got to get their credibility back. And they're not rushing to get it back when you see what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop a year and a half after the Mueller report's been out. And they should have been embarrassed. And do you see anything changing when it comes to the Hunter Biden investigation? Katie Pavlich, cut nine. 
This 306-page report is full of things that the FBI did to break protocol to get to where they wanted to go. But it's really simple. In August of 2016, Peter Strzok, who was in charge of this investigation, was texting with Lisa Page about stopping Donald Trump from becoming president, and they used the FBI to do that. Now, the White House has been asked about this. Jake Sullivan is now the national security advisor, who started pushing this narrative on behalf of the Hillary Clinton campaign. And what the Durham report also said is, yes, these reforms have been implemented, but unless the FBI gets back to an ethos of protecting the American people away from politics and back to the Constitution, then it will be, quote, fruitless for the efforts to change the trust that the American people no longer have in the institution. That's the problem. And that to me is if you just look at this, if you if you want to ignore it and say it's no big deal, it's a waste of money, I just ask you this. Did Donald Trump collude with Russia? If I don't care if you're hosting The View or if you're Rachel Maddow, you said the exact opposite. You were going with reports from Mother Jones to Washington Post. Now that you've seen the Mueller report, you read the Horowitz investi- uh, the investigation, the IG report, and now that you read the Dorm report, tell me you still believe he colluded with Russia because he didn't. And when you realize all those reports can't be wrong, now you know why people are angry and want to see people arrested and feel like we've wasted a lot of political capital in our lives. And if you're Donald Trump, you're watching your family be threatened. They're targeting your son. They're targeting your son-in-law. They're tar- targeting your daughter. They're, they're, they're harassing you in your private business that Eric Trump was in charge of as vice president. They're still being harassed today. And he's a fighter. Look, I don't think Donald Trump is playing a perfect game by a long shot. But these two, this revelation is significant in the Durham report. Now, if you want to know how paranoid the administration is, listen to KJP yesterday. Cut one. What is the White House reaction to Special Counsel Durham's report on how the FBI handled the Trump-Russia probe? I would leave it to the Department of Justice to speak to. talks often about how he wants the DOJ and FBI to remain independent and um, you know, above the fray. That report seems to reflect the opposite. Is Does he agree with uh, Special Counsel Durham that there needs to be wholesale changes at the FBI? Again, that is uh, with the Department of Justice. That's not something that I'm going to speak from the podium. As you just stated in your question, we believe in an independent uh, de- Department of Justice. That's what the president said when he was running, and that's what the president has said the last two years. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys in Japan. Hmm. President was briefed. I believe the vice president was briefed too about what Hillary Clinton was up to. They didn't stop it. I don't think they were behind it. But at the same time, in the last year, he was trying to enrich himself. It seems with Hunter Biden taking the lead, and Tony Bobulinski told the story, and still no one carried it outside Fox and a few other outlets about what the Biden family was up to. So for people to say, "Well, that was then. This is now. I made reforms." I don't blame you for saying I'm not buying it. So when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Sid Rosenberg and others. Uh, We're going to talk to him about what's happening in New York City, how uh, we have veterans being kicked out of hotel rooms, homeless veterans. We have weddings that were paid for, contracts signed that were broken, and these weddings will have to take place elsewhere because all of illegal aliens are spread all across New York City. Finally, a judge stopped the moving, the busing of them into Rockland, Orange County. Uh, how many more will stand up? I understand they're going to be shipping them over to Riverhead. They might be the best people in the world. I'm not talking about them. They don't belong here. They came here illegally. They shouldn't be here. 
And the reason why I think Joe Biden's going to pay the price is because these cities are overrun and run by Democrats. They have only one person to blame, 1-800-JOE-BIDEN. In fact, Eric Adams has done so much blaming and pointing that he is now off the president's reelection committee. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. But we're not getting the support that we deserve here in New York City. People are coming through the bordering states, but they're ending up in New York and New York City, Chicago, and other uh, northern cities. It's clear that the blueprint has become that send migrants to these big cities in the north, particularly uh, to New York City, and it has overwhelmed our services. Every service in our city is going to be impacted by this action. And Eric Adams made it clear when he was on our Fox affiliate, local Fox affiliate, that he says, Joe Biden, this is really on you. And that has created a lot of friction. But don't worry, Al Sharpton says he's going to broker a peace between Biden and Eric Adams. With me in studio, Sid Rosenberg, host of Sid and Friends on our great affiliate 77 WABC. I brought him uptown on a day he's nursing a series of injuries. Uh, but, and, you know, he's going to look to put that behind him uh, and try to soldier through. Usually when I walk over here from WABC, the radio studios are pretty close. Takes me about 10 minutes. This was a 25-minute walk due to the severity of my hamstring injury. Right. But I wouldn't miss being with you for the world. So I'm here. I'm kind of like uh, Willis Reed, game seven against the Lakers. People are comparing that. Yes. A lot of people. I'll hit a couple of shots early, then I'm getting out. Right. (laughs) Right. And and, and Walt Frazier will never get the credit he deserves. Well, what a game he had. 36 points and 19 assists. So you're comparing you, uh, the six-foot, ten-inch center, walking out the Madison Square Garden to you, Walking into a building and pressing the button on an elevator. Eerily similar. Very. It's so Why similar. is it, by the way, when I come to this building, whether it's to do your radio show, your right. TV show, or Jesse's TV show, I get in downstairs, yeah. and then I get to a certain floor, and I can't get in the building at that point. I know. I stand outside for 15 minutes, and somebody right. goes, hey, that's it. Let him in. Right. Which, by the way, you'd hope we'd have a better security system <laughs> than that. You know, hey, <laughs> that's it. Let him in. Hey, it's every bit as bad as the border. You right. thought Mayorkas was bad? How about this? <laughs> oh, this, is, this is true. This is the Mayorkas, it's the Mayorkas method. Hey, there's Sid. Let him in. And that's pretty much how he decides who gets in our country. Uh, that is true. You, your paper pass doesn't work? It does not work at the door. It works downstairs. Then you get to the actual floor, right. and then you're locked out. And you know whose fault that is? Uh, Donald Trump. Allison. Oh, okay. Allison, she's the best. I refuse to blame her. Right. I Eric. blame you. Then what about what about Eric? You can blame Eric. Eric, I was, yeah. yeah. So, um, so just so you heard Eric Adams, he's getting ticked, and this, this is a man-made Joe Biden-made disaster. Listen, he does not call out Joe Biden. Stop with that. He says federal government. I've never heard the mayor say Joe Biden's name once. Not once. He goes, "This is a federal government problem." Here's the next thing. And I got to give my buddy Curtis Sliwa, who's listening now, a ton of credit. He works tirelessly at this, okay? All these hotels, the newest one is the Q Motor in in, uh, Queens. All these hotels, the Roosevelt Hotels, owned by a Pakistani. They're all owned by LLC. When you do a deep dive into these LLCs, 
What you find out is their names, who they really are, and most of them, if not all of them, are Democrat donors. And they give money to campaigns like Kathy Hochul and Derek Adams. So don't you think for a second he's not making money here? That is so interesting. I never thought about who owns the hotels because the hotels get totally paid out. Right. They're kicking out wedding parties. Yes, and veterans. Good good American veterans are getting kicked out so Democrats can get paid. And also, they're dropping off a lot of these folks in Republican towns, including mine. So, so let's not be sympathetic to Eric Adams. Wow. He's doing okay these days. You just educated me big time. Gary Moretti is one of the people who called the hotel. He's supposed to be getting married at this hotel. He rented the whole thing. Cut 27. Got a phone call from my sister that she turned around and to check out the news, look at your hotel. No phone call, no text message, no email from them about candy cancellations. I called them up and the first things out of their mouth were, I asked them, well, I asked them about the migrants moving, going in there. Is it going to be safe for my guests and ourselves to be there? They said, no, you have nothing to worry about. And in my heart, I'm thinking, okay, cool. And they're like, your, your reservation and, uh, your contract's been canceled. Oh. And I go, oh, excuse me. <laughs> please repeat that for me, please. And uh, so basically they said, no, there's nothing we can do. Everything's been taken care of. It's a complete madhouse in here, and there's nothing I can do. Unbelievable. Can you imagine that? No, no. They don't even call them. They don't even call them. It's so disgusting. Now, later on tonight, the cousin of Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, he's having a fundraiser for the aforementioned Mayor Eric Adams at his house in Flushing, Queens, and a lot of these LLCs and real estate guys, don't be surprised, don't be surprised if they show up at the Adams fundraiser later on tonight. Just saying. So what happens is it helps these hotels when you walk in with one check. Every room is instantly sold out. It doesn't even matter. It more than covers the damage that might be done from people you don't know. I spoke to a Queens councilwoman this morning, Vicki Palladino. She said there was a hotel in her neighborhood that were broke. They didn't make money since COVID. They just reopened $300,000 in a week. Brian, they're making millions. That's tax dollars. Correct. Right? It's not Eric Adams' fortune. No. This is all your money. Correct. This is why people are leaving. And this is why 60000 are coming. Uh, unbelievable. Sid Rosenberg here. We're going to go inside the border problem, which is in New York. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, we're back. And guess who's in studio? Sid Rosenberg, host of Sid and Friends of the Morning on 77 WABC. Number one in the morning in the number one market. Sid, uh, I know we don't normally talk about this, but I want to expand our relationship in a way that we haven't done before. Oh, my God. I'm nervous. Let's talk a little <laughs> AI. AI. So it was the only thing that I can remember that both sides were questioning in a legitimate inquiry hearing, almost like a think tank. What is it? What worries you? How do we? You want us to regulate, but I don't even know enough to regulate. I would. I use that chatbot GBT thing. Yes. Do you? Yes, I use it. And what's funny is the last time I did your really great. Folks, really great TV show, One Nation. Saturday, 8 o'clock. Saturday, 8 o'clock. I was there with uh, DeAngelis, Jackie DeAngelis, and we did three topics, and one of them was AI. AI. That's the first time I started to delve into it, and it is a scary, scary thing. They, they basically steal your identity in, in three seconds. Right. 
And they've already had it where people say, give me your credit card number. Yes. It's an emergency. I'm being held hostage. Yes. So yesterday. I hung up on my wife yesterday. Right. <laughs> you didn't, I thought it was somebody else. I did not believe it was you because you give me so many compliments. Right. I go, who is stolen? <laughs> Something's happening. Can't be Danielle. Yeah, there's no way. So listen to a Senator Richard Blumenthal, who's used to saying things that aren't true, uh, came out and had this statement. And before I tell you what uh, uh, of the background, let's listen. Cut 18. If you were listening from home, you might have thought that voice was mine and the words right. from me. But now, in fact, if I could do this again and we weren't live, I'd go cut 17. <laughs> so let's, let's pretend we're not live. Okay. All right, I'm in a huge delay. This is Senator Blumenthal, cut 17. Too often, we have seen what happens when technology outpaces regulation. The unbridled exploitation of personal data, the proliferation of disinformation, and the deepening so, of... So you have the spirit of this, and then he yeah. says this, cut 18. If you were listening from home, you might have thought that voice was mine and the words from me. But in fact, that voice was not mine. The words were not mine. Hmm. And the audio was an AI voice cloning software Trained on my floor speeches. What do you think about that? I think if I pretty was, amazing, right? I think if I was Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, or Mayorkas, I blame AI. Right? Wasn't me. <laughs> wasn't me. I, I didn't much, say that. I had a much better border policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Border right. secure. Wasn't me. <laughs> so, do you think that people are going to laugh at us in 2023 the way we're probably laughing in 1993 when the internet started coming out and people started? Making comments like this thing can look up everything and they know everything. We look, we laugh at that now. Are I, we going to be laughing at, at what we thought about AI? I don't think people are laughing. I think this is a genuine concern. People are nervous. You know, look, we had the thing with TikTok not that long ago where the Chinese basically take every bit of our information from our kids. Now you've got AI. I don't think it's a laughable matter. I think people on both sides, it's bipartisan, like you talked about, are really nervous, really nervous that this is going to pave the way, make 1984 look like Mr. Rogers. Right. So I don't think it's a laughable matter. I think it's a very serious matter, and I think it does need to be looked at in right. Congress. So this is what worries me. Sam Altman, the founder and creator of Chatbot GBT, he, he says this. He's the AI CEO. Cut 14. My worst fears are that we cause significant, we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world. If this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. Uh, and we want to be vocal about that. We want to work with the government to prevent that from happening. Wow. You invented it. Uh, and yeah. like, I'm afraid it could destroy yeah, the world. Could. Has that ever happened to you? Did you invent something and then not release it because it could destroy the world? <laughs> yeah, every day. That's what I do. Oh, I do go to chat uh, about TG. What, how do you say it again? GBT. Yeah, and I put in, I said, I swear to God, this is true. I go, uh, tell me why Sid Rosenberg right now is the most popular and best radio host in the country. And literally, it put together like a, a, a three-paragraph whole thesis as to why that is exactly the case. Why were you it sat- didn't argue with me. Were you satisfied? I was with this discussion? I was nervous. I was going to say, who? Who told you that? But they gave me a legitimate three-paragraph reason why what I said was exactly right. Hey, Allison, <laughs> you think my ego's out of control? I mean, can you imagine the first thing you ask AI is, yeah. how great, why am I so great? I mean, come on. He's got to be worse than anything you've witnessed me do. To be fair, that was the second thing you asked. (laughs) (laughs) That is so wrong. I mean, what what an ego. Well, listen, 
I did get a 7-5 last book, so. Well, yeah, but it, it doesn't that, come without numbers to back it up, you know. Right, those are real numbers. Those are real numbers. 7-1 in April, these are legitimate real radio numbers. All right. Uh, now back to the real world if yeah. we can. We're, we're talking about what's happening in New York. I think that when you talk about what's happening at the border, I could not get people interested. I used to see it, and we have these great teams, got the drone team up there. You know Fox doing an incredible job, Bill Malusian, and Griff Jenkins. What has it done that Chicago's overwhelmed with maybe 600 and they were overwhelmed with 60,000? Now, to Sid, you, have, you don't have to reach for this topic anymore, right? No, no, no. It's, it's on everybody's mind. It's everywhere. I just told you, actually, that uh, my friend, the actor Scott Bayo, left Los Angeles, moved to Miami. They've got the combination, like we do here in New York, of homeless and illegals. Not migrants, illegals. Brad in, Pitt, in Los Angeles. Yes, yeah. Brad Pitt left and Teddy Perry left and... You know, now Billy Joel left New York, and uh, he went down to Palm Beach. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody is. And the truth is, is Eric Adams comes out a couple of weeks ago, made it a racial issue here in New York. He talked about, well, this is only happening to black mayors. And I say this to Eric Adams. If Bill de Blasio was still the mayor of New York City, and last I checked, Bill de Blasio was very white, they'd still be coming. It's not black. It's blue. Blue for Democrat mayors, blue for, uh, blue for Democrat governors, blue for, New, for the states. This is where the problems are. It's not Florida. And, you know, Texas has their issues, but Abbott does a decent job of dealing with it. Could you imagine if the mayors in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles had to deal with El Paso? In Texas, it would be a worse disaster. It's a matter of politics, not race. And mayors like Eric Adams need to stop that nonsense. Well, they have to. But now I heard yesterday, and I got you, was I was on our St. Louis affiliate, and they say, well, Eric Adams is petitioning to get rid of sanctuary city status. One of the governors in the area, excuse me, one of the county executives in the area, I think it was Rockland, uh, said that, yeah, he mentioned he's going to try to get rid of it. Do you believe it? Well, I heard he was actually in court a couple of days ago, Brian, so there is some truth to that story. I can't confirm that. I do believe at the very least he's looking into it, but you can't have it both ways, right? You can't be a sanctuary city, welcome these people in, and then complain, stop giving me people. I mean, I, I had this discussion today. Again, just stop it. We can't do it anymore. Like you talk about 60,000. We're out of gyms. We're out of hotels. I'm sick of kicking out veterans. I'm sick of little kids going to gymnasiums they can't go to anymore. We just can't do it. You can't have it both ways. Be a sanctuary city and at the same time complain they're sending folks our way. So what does bother me is the reaction from the families. They're obviously worried about their kids. So they're boycotting school. These kids have been missed so much school already to keep them home for another week is crazy. One of the schools, to your point, Brian, in Brooklyn today, I believe, Sunset Park, one-third. That is a lot of kids, Brian. One-third of the kids stayed home. We just went through COVID where the teachers union did the best they could to destroy our kids. And they did a good job. Randy Weingarten, Michael Mulgrew, destroy our kids. Now we've got this. When in this country are going to we worry about the kids, the veterans, those type of people, these political leaders, they just don't care. Right. When we come back, uh, Sid Rosenberg will comment on was it a good move or not uh, in the Saudi back live golf league. They are in a dramatic finish. It was preempted by the Penn & Teller skincare infomercial. Was that a good move? Stop. Don't answer. Think about it because I know you know the business. you got to pay the bill somehow. Stopping the last round of the live tournament so Penn & Teller can sell skincare. Is that a move that Sid would back? Think about it. Play this game at home. What would Sid do, which everyone has, and then try to anticipate his reaction. Don't move. 
Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We are back. So, Sid, everyone's wondering the question I asked you on the way out. Do you remember that question? I do. Why would Penn and Teller be on in the middle of nail-bite time during the LV Golf Championship? Now, in the Live Yet, in the Live Tournament, they're trying to establish themselves. Yeah. Do you think this is a good move? Well, let me tell you this, Brian (laughs) Kilmeade. Every decision I make these days, I think about one man and one man only. And Not you, is... I'm sorry. And that's President Donald Trump, who was on my radio show just Thursday for 18 minutes. We had a great conversation. I know he would be furious yes. if I went to Truth Social, which I haven't. I'm sure he wrote something. So if Donald Trump doesn't like it, then Sid Rosenberg doesn't like it. That's my answer. All right, before we do that, a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. Do you know that they did something the PGA won't do? They play at Donald Trump courses. I know that. Right. And, yeah. and that's where they use. So that's all political. Yeah. That's a political move to move out of the course. So that hurt him. This helps him. It does. And look, he has uh, made it very, very clear, whether it's Dana White, right, with the MMA, UFC, or the Live Golf Tour, he's going to support those folks. And they've got some great names. You know that. They stole almost all the big names outside of Tiger, who can't play anymore anyway. Uh, Greg Norman's done a pretty good job there. So it, it seems weird that the CW would, in Brooklyn especially, would go away from nail-bite time during a big golf tournament to go to Penn & Teller. That's awful. But awful. When, when you think of Penn & Teller, do you think skin care? Every time. <laughs> you do. Again, <laughs> yeah. that's a little different. Maybe weight loss way uh, back when. <laughs> is, is it Before we get into more to know, which you didn't know we were doing that, right? I had no idea. Or it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, it's not that you're going to do, do well anyway in it because these, no. are, these are cold reads. Uh, and that you have nothing to do with the topics. Nothing. Right. So uh, about Donald Trump, do you believe it's his nomination to lose or do you think it's so early? Almost remember we thought the Mets were going to run away with the East and, in spring training? Right, it's over. Stop. So do you it's believe over. It's over. Stop. He's Maybe. up 44 points. Stop. In um, the morning consult. Point. I don't care what poll it is. Ron DeSantis, great guy, great governor. He has not a little bit of charisma. He's got none. We need that tough, charismatic guy. That is Donald Trump. Again, Ron DeSantis, good policies. Why? They're Trump's policies. I love the paternal lockdown in Florida. Don't get me wrong. He's done some great things there. But Ron DeSantis is not Donald Trump, and this country is in such bad shape, such dire straits. We can't take our chances with a rookie. We need the guy that's actually won already and done it. That's Donald Trump, not Ron DeSantis. He's going to murder the field. Mm. I don't want to hear about Nikki Haley, Tim. Stop, stop. He wins the nomination easily. The question is, does he win the GE? Eric, I know this is the last-minute request, but are you recording this? (laughs) We do. Okay, because I— I think this is something that Sid Rosenberg, who's been around the block so many times, yeah, right? You've yeah. worn out two pairs of loafers. <laughs> yeah. So you know we can't pick out things before they start. Not true. You know that, oh, that, is it President Scott Walker? Is it President Rudy Giuliani? Is it President Hillary Clinton? I mean, this is, this is how early, Sid. You're Very good up examples. in momentum. These are momentum. This yeah. is a momentum choice. Sid. Except none of those people you just mentioned were president. He's true. already done it. Remember Grover Cleveland? No, not really. Oh. Did he pitch for the Indians? He, it wasn't that good, so he became president. <laughs> uh, so he became president, lost, and came back. 
That was it. Right. So Trump will do the same thing, 45 and 47, in, even though, according to Donald, of course, he won all three. Two things uh, taking place to back you up. This Durham report, even if you don't like it or want to ignore it, it says that he was right. Of course. Jake Tapper came out and said he was right. Of all people. And Jake Tapper was the first to malign Donald Trump after Caitlin Collins embarrassed herself on CNN. Right. So it wasn't easy for him to do. No. So those type of things are happening. And then you're watching all the Biden policies, which are the inverse of Trump. Correct. The, the thing that I differ from Trump is on Ukraine. They have a chance to win this thing big. No, they they have to send a message. I agree with Trump. On everything. No matter what he says, that's it. But I really do agree with Trump. I think this Ukraine thing has become a disaster for this country. Enough uh-huh. is enough. We'll get to that later. Right. But you're right. You're totally wrong about that. No, I'm 100% right. right. But Biden That's has... right. Let the West lose to every oh, belligerent stop. dictator. Please. Right. We, we can't win every war. It's, they've been doing that for a long time, Russia and Ukraine. No, they haven't. Long time. No, long time. No, no. They've hated each other for thousands of years. Right. And so. just, just watch. You just... What, what is this? This is May. This is May, yeah. June 15th, are you available? Uh, no. June, June 15th, <laughs> I'm not we're going to watch the biggest surge you've ever seen. We are. All right. Okay, but so, by the way, he, he changed all but, those but, policies. But Ron DeSantis does have – I think no don't, don't get caught up with the lack of charisma. Zero chance. Because he has charisma. Zero chance. He's very he's very deliberate. He's zero He's very chance. direct. He's what? He's very direct. He is? Yes. Okay, great. He ain't uh, going to win. Right. And all the things that Biden changed, he only did it to be spiteful for Donald Trump. Think yeah. about that. Well, he knows they're good. If he had the Remain in Mexico policy right now. 100%. Come on. So that that's the best thing for Trump is that Biden is failing miserably. Correct. So that's, that's the best thing that goes on outside of as I told you. But the number two, the number two thing that Trump has going for him is the fact that he is uh, the only report. person to get crowds. All right, crowds. Number two, number two is the thing that he doesn't have going for him is the sponsors, the donors. Evidently, down dramatically. Not that he needs the money, but he needs the support. Yeah, but since the book ban and the six-week abortion, some of the big donors have left DeSantis, too. So. They're not book bans. He's just saying pornography should not be with, uh, with toddlers. I agree with him. I agree with a lot. Almost everything DeSantis does. He's right. great. And he'll be a great president at 48 in 2028. Years old. In 40 years. <laughs> All right. Let's find out if there's more to know, Sid. More to know. Comedy Invest in premium American whiskey as it ages. The older it gets, the better it gets. And the more valuable it gets. Go to caskdeeds.com. That's caskdeeds.com to learn more. Paid for by Spirits Capital Corporation. Right. It's sponsored, so don't screw it up, okay? I'm selling whiskey. You can invest. Comedy legend John Cleese, 83 years old, reveals why he says he could never be canceled. Let's listen. I don't get canceled because I do stage shows. The lovely thing about doing stage shows is that people think to themselves, I like him, so I'll buy a ticket. The audience is pre-selected to like me. All right, isn't it great? Go on stage. You can't be canceled, just like Dave Chappelle. No one's canceling Dave Chappelle when he sells at arenas. Just like my mother, Naomi Rosenberg, 88 years old. I'm a radio show every two weeks. She refers to Joe Biden as the creature in the White House. And you can't cancel him. Nope, not Naomi. Next. Intoxicated intruder enters Washington home of Biden's national security advisor. you believe this? In the dead of the night. Jake Sullivan. (laughs) They walked in. He's got Secret Service. The guy walks in drunk. Unbelievable. What's our Secret Service doing? Well, they, this happens all the time, though, right? They get into the White House. They get into people's houses. Our Secret Service, not its best right now. All right. I, I mentioned the Saudi story. We move on. Memphis Grizzlies star Jean Morant, resp- oh. Morant responds after a second video appearing to show him holding a gun. He says he's got to continue to work on himself. 
<laughs> all forgiven? Mean, first of all, the NBA needs to step up big here. David Silver, suspend this kid for six months, maybe the whole season. This kid is beyond stupid to show a gun twice on Instagram and blow millions and millions of dollars. It's not just stupidity. He's got a real issue, Mr. Tough Guy issue. The NBA, David Silver, step up, be tougher once in your life, and suspend this kid for the season. He says, I know I've disappointed a lot of people have supported me. This is a journey, and I recognize there's more work to do. No kidding. Put down more. the gun and stop smoking pot. <laughs> yeah, that when you go back to the top three picks, it's Zion, it is Morant, and it is R.J. Barrett. Did the, did the Knicks make the right pick? They did. Zion never plays. He's always hurt. Morant's a criminal. Right. Good job by the Knicks. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Even though they picked third. Uh, it's, uh, Dave Chappelle slams San Francisco during surprise comedy show report. He says it's a mess. Right? I mean, we don't have any sound for this, so I w- I'll fill in the gap that you're not. 49-year-old goes into San Francisco and says, what is going on with this city? Exactly, we're going to end the segment like we started. What is going on in these major cities Democrat run? They're all a mess. New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco. I will tell you, not long ago, San Francisco was my second favorite city in America. That's how much I love it there. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely ruined. And now you love Jacksonville. I love I'm moving to Jacksonville. WOKV, Sid, get ready. <laughs> I appreciate it. Sid, great job. You're great. Congratulations Thank on you. everything. Thank you. Keep it here. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.